الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين اللهم لك الحمد وإليك المشتكى وبك الثقة وعليك التكلان ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل عقدة من لساني يفقه قولي اللهم لا سهل إلا ما جعلته سهلا وأنت تجعل الحزن إذا شئت سهلا اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا وحبيبنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن اهتدى بهديه واستنى بسنته ودعا بدعوته إلى يوم الدين. إن شاء الله تعالى this is a continuation of our weekly tafsir of Surah Al-Baqarah and we were at verse number 38. Last week we discussed and read the story of Adam as it is mentioned in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah when we talked about his creation uh, and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave him superiority and fadl due to the knowledge Allah gave him. We talked about how uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed Adam and how he had given him a lot of virtue. How then uh, that virtue came in the fact that Allah asked the angels or ordered the angels to bow down to Adam alayhi salam. How then Iblis refused and that this refusal was a sign of his kufr and disbelief. How Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then uh, mentioned that Iblis, the reason of his kufr and disbelief was his arrogance. And that the main reason why people deviate is because of arrogance. We mentioned and spoke about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created Hawa, Adam's wife. And how he allowed them both to stay in Jannah. And they lived in Jannah. And they were told to stay away from one tree. But due to Shaitan's influence, they ate from that tree. And then they were both told they were going to be sent down and descend to the earth. This was also for Shaitan as well. So all of them were cast down or sent down to earth to live a life. And this life would be a trial and a test. Eventually hoping that they can go back to initially where they were, which is Jannah. The lessons that we learned from it was that Adam made an error and his wife Hawa and then they repented and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted the repentance. We learned that Iblis also uh, disobeyed but he refused to repent because of his arrogance. So the lesson in that qissa is that number one, we will make mistakes and if we do make mistakes then we should hasten to the repentance of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala like Adam and Hawa did. Um, and there were many lessons that we've learned. Today we're going to start with قوله تعالى قُلْ نَهْبِطُ مِنْهَا جَمِيعًا فَإِمَّا يَأْتِيَنَّكُمْ مِنِّي هُدًا فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَايَ فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَهُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَكَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا أُولَئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we said, Get down all of you from this place from Jannah. Then whenever there comes from me guidance, whoever follows my guidance, there will be no fear on them. Nor shall they grieve and be sad or have sorrow. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this verse is telling us again that he said to Hawa and Adam, and to the shaitan that they should be they should go down they should descend what's interesting is this was already said earlier in verse 36 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says and we said to them 
go down to earth, descend from the Jannah. So they've been already told to descend. Why are they being told again? So verse 36, Allah says, nahbitu," And we told them to get down. And here in verse 38, again, nahbitu," We told them to get down all of you from Jannah. So the scholars, they, they try to understand why this was mentioned twice. And some of them said uh, that the first hubut, the first time they descended, was from Jannah to Sama'ud Dunya, to the first Sama'. Then the second hubut was from Sama'ud Dunya to the earth. This is one interpretation. But one that uh, Imam Razi mentions in his tafsir is that, and this is very applicable, that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them that they should uh, descend from Jannah, this is when they ate from the tree. So, chronologically what happened was, Adam and Hawa eat from the tree, then they are told, اِهْبِطُوا مِنْهَا بَعْضُكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُسْتَقَرٌ So, they are told, after they eat from the, truth, from, from, the, from the tree, go down from Jannah, descend, بَعْضُكُمْ لِبَعْضٍ one of you will be uh, the enemy to the other, meaning the shaitan and the, the Bani Adam will always be enemies to each other. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَلَكُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ مُسْتَقَرٌ And to the earth for you is a resting place, وَمَتَاعٌ إِلَى And a place of comfort uh, for a while. So they are told already that they're going to be sent down. Then what do Adam and Hawa do? فَتَلَقَى آدَمُ مِنْ رَبِّهِ كَلِمَاتٍ Then Adam receives words from his Lord. فَتَابَ عَلَيْهِ And then Allah accepts his repentance. So they're told they're going to be sent down. Then they repent. Then they're told they're going to be sent down again. And, and the reason is, perhaps they thought, well, once you've repented, we will get to stay in Jannah. Once we've repented, we'll get to stay in Jannah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them, no, اِهْبِطُوا مِنْهَا جَمِيعًا Descend from it, all of you. So the second hubut is to tell them that the reason they're being sent down is not necessarily connected to their sin, but it was something that was going to happen anyway. And the reason for that is we know in the beginning of our last lesson, we mentioned that when Allah even created Adam salam, that Allah said, Inni fil ardi khalifa, that Allah is going to make a khalifa for the earth, for the ard. So Adam was always meant to come down. Adam was always meant to live. His children, meaning mankind, was always meant to live here. So that's what the Shaykh mentioned. Allah said, then we told them, we told Adam and Hawa and Shaytan, descend all of you from Jannah. Then whenever there comes guidance from me, whoever follows my guidance, there shall be no fear on them, and they will not grieve. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling Adam and Hawa that once they descend and go to earth, that there will be a guidance that will follow. Allah is telling mankind, by extension, that there will be guidance. How are you going to live on this earth? How are you going to conduct yourself? What are you going to do and what are you going to stay away from? There will be guidance from Allah Almighty. And if that guidance comes, when it comes, whoever follows it, فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ There will be no fear on them. وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Nor will they grieve and feel sorrow. The scholars, they mention a few things here. Number one is, what is meant by hudan here? This guidance, what is it referring to? And some of the Mufassirun have said, 
it is referring to Al-Anbiya, the Prophets. Others have said it is referring to Al-Wahyu, Revelation. Whatever the case is, because it is the Prophet that bring revelation, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give mankind that which will guide them to the truth, that which will guide them back to where they initially came from, which was where? Jannah. So, Allah is telling us, there will be guidance. فَمَنْ تَبِعَ هُدَايَ Whoever follows that guidance, فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ They will not fear. Fear what? The scholars, when they talk about khawf, they say, الْخَوْفُ مَا فِي الْمُسْتَقْبَلِ To fear that which is coming. You are always afraid of that which you are about to face, so it is always directed towards the future. You are afraid what's going to happen. What, are you going to be attacked? Are you going to get hurt? Fear is usually expressed towards that which is about to happen or about to come or in the future, whether that is the near future or the distant future. Huzun, sorrow, is usually with regards to the past. You are sad because of what happened. Someone passed away. Uh, something happened to you that you... It's, it's in the past. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying that those among you that follow my guidance, you will not worry about what happened in the past. You will not worry. You will be forgiven. For anything that you've done wrong, you will be forgiven. And you don't have to worry about the future for you will go to where? To Jannah. And to be honest, this stress and, and usually is related to these two. If you're someone that is in distress, Someone that is uh, uh, struggling, uh, uh, usually you're either, if you're anxious or have anxiety, or any of these uh, types of uh, problems, it's usually either from something that happened, or something that is about to happen. It's either in the past or in the future. So you're worried about a job, you might not get it. Or you worry, you're sad about the job that you just lost, right? So, someone is sad because they lost a child. Or they're worried because they're trying for a child and they haven't had one yet. So it's usually either khawf or huzun. And the, and the believer is hazin with regards to his sins. You're worried about the sins you've committed. And the believer is also afraid of their future because they are worried, will they go to Jannah or hellfire? So this is the state of the person. But what's interesting is as it relates to matters of this world, as it, as it relates to matters of this world, work, jobs, family, stuff like this, there's a beautiful statement that was made by Sheikh Al-Si'idi in a very good book that I advise you all to read. Uh, it's called Al-Wasail Al-Mufida Al-Hayat Al-Sa'ida, I believe, right? So it is um, um, the means by which you can attain a good life. The means by which you can attain a good life, and he lists lots of them. One of the things that he mentions is this particular uh, uh, concept, which is, he says... Don't worry too much about what's happened in the past. Don't have huzun. As it relates to your dunya, don't have huzun with regards to what happened in the past. And he mentions the reason. He says, why? Because no matter what you do, you can't go back and fix it. Something happened last week, you can't go back and fix it. Something happened an hour ago, you can't go back in time. Whatever happened, happened. He said, so don't worry too much about the past. It's the past. Then he mentions something interesting, and again, this is as it relates to your worldly matters. He says, as for the future, also don't worry too much about it. Don't be afraid of the future. Don't worry too much about it. Why? Because you don't even know if you're going to get to the future. So he said, kun ibnu yomik. Be the son of the day. Son with S-O-N. Son, not son as in the, the, the shining sun. Be the son of the day. Meaning what? Live in that moment. Rectify what you can rectify. 
make the best decisions you can make during this moment right now. Don't spend too much time worrying about the past. Don't spend too much time worrying about the future. So if that's for your worldly matters. But anyway, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is promising the people that follow the guidance that they will have no khawf and they will have no huzun. May Allah make us among those. La khawfun alayhim, they will not be afraid because they are going to Jannah. Walahum yahzunun, and they're not sad about any mistakes they've done because they have been forgiven and they are going to Jannah. May Allah make us among those. So if you want to go to Jannah, what is the condition? فَمَنْ تَبِعَ Whoever follows my guidance. Now we, for, in, as it relates to us, uh, because this ayah was mainly uh, ref, ref, referring to Adam and Hawa and their descendants, but as it relates to us, what is the guidance we should follow? It is the Quran. And we know that because the first ayah or the second ayah of Surah Al-Baqarah, Alif Lamim, that is the book in which there is no doubt It is a guidance to those who have taqwa So our guidance is the Quran itself May Allah make us among those that follow the Quran Act upon the Quran And as a result Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blesses them By not being afraid nor worrying of the past So now you know the first category of people Those who follow the Quran Those who follow the prophets Those who follow the guidance that came from Allah Almighty then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَكَذَّبُوا بِآيَاتِنَا أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ So now that you have mentioned the people that follow the guidance, what about those that don't? As for those who disbelieve, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا وَكَذَّبُوا and deny and belie our ayat, our proofs. Those who belie the ayat of Allah Almighty and disbelieve in them, they are the dwellers of the fire. Whom fiha in it they shall abide forever. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions here that those who disbelieve and deny, those who disbelieve and belie the Quran and the ayat, the proofs, the clear cut proofs, the miraculous signs that are coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those who deny it, those who disbelieve in it, those who reject it. What will happen to them? In other words, Allah said earlier, whoever follows the guidance shall have no fear and shall have no sorrow. Now, those who don't follow the guidance, those who reject it, وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا As for those who disbelieve, وَكَذَّبُوا And belie the ayat and the miraculous signs and the Quran and the prophets, أُولَٰئِكَ أَصْحَابُ النَّارِ They are the dwellers of the fire, هُمْ فِيهَا خَالِدُونَ And in it they shall abide forever. May Allah not make us among those. May Allah protect us from becoming of those that deny and disbelieve in the messengers. So here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the following verse will start talking about the Banu Israel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya Bani Israel, Udhkuru ni'mati allati an'amtu alaykum wa awfu bi'ahdi, awfu bi'ahdikum wa iyaya farhaboon. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He calls the Banu Israel, O the children of Israel. O the children of Israel, make mention and remember my favor, ni'mati, my favor, that I have bestowed upon you, and fulfill your promise to me. I will fulfill the covenant and the promise to you, and fear none but me, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said. What's interesting is you need to understand the context of these following verse or the following verses. Here we are going to start discussing a nation, a ummah. 
I remember in my first or second lesson I discussed with you guys that this surah, a lot of the themes it revolves around is following the guidance and obedience versus not following the guidance and disobedience. So now we already met someone that refused to follow the guidance. Last week it was Iblis who refused to obey Allah Almighty. We also met a group of people that refused to follow the guidance in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah, the hypocrites and the non-believers. So they also refused to follow the guidance and we, we talked about where they ended up. We also saw, for example, Adam and Hawa who did follow the guidance and how as a result of it, although they made a mistake, they were forgiven. So that is, now that you have seen some individuals and their relationships to guidance, today you're going to start learning about a whole nation whom Allah is teaching us about, and the gist of it, the main message is, don't be like, oh, the Ummah from Muhammad, do not be like these people, who were given guidance, who were blessed, who were favored, and, as, and although they would, were given all of this, they did not benefit from it. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will teach us about many of the errors and the mistakes that they made. Why? Because it is a ibrah for us. Because for us, we learn from the lessons. And there is a beautiful statement, statement. They say that a, a wise man learns from his mistakes. But a wiser man will learn from others' mistakes. So when you're reading the story of Ben Israel, look at some of the errors and the mistakes they fell in. And then see where you're at and avoid those. This is one of the lessons and the reasons why we're learning about them. The other thing is, Ikhwani wa fillah, we mentioned that Surah Al-Baqarah is a Madani Surah. It was revealed in Medina. And in Medina, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, other than the Sahaba, was dealing with two communities or two types of people. You had the Yahud, right, the Jews that lived in Medina, and you had the Munafiqun, the hypocrites. Now we've already talked about the hypocrites. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talked about them in quite some detail in the beginning of Surah Al-Baqarah. And you will learn more about them in other chapters in the Quran as well. The other group that the Prophet comes across in Medina is the Yahud. Now this is very interesting because the Yahud are very different from the Quraysh whom the Prophet initially gave da'wah to in Mecca. And one of the main differences is that the Quraysh were idol worshippers, but the Yehud are Ahlul Kitab. They are the people of the book. They are people that receive the revelation. They adhere, or they claim to adhere to the teachings of Musa salam. So there is some connection. Now, because the Prophet is now interacting with these Yehud, and he is calling them to Islam, from here you understand the context why are Banu Israel being spoken about, especially their history? It is being told to the Banu Israel of the time of Prophet Muhammad So a lot of these verses, although they reference things that happened in the past, because when, the, when these verses were being revealed, it's mainly talking about the Yehud before the time of Prophet Muhammad but it's being referenced for the Yehud that lived at the time of the Prophet And you'll understand as you go along these verses. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ya Bani Israel, O the people of Israel, or the, the children of Israel. Now, before I move on, it's very important that we understand who Israel is. There is no khilaf uh, within the scholars of tafsir that Israel is referring to Prophet Ya'qub. Israel is Prophet Ya'qub. He was also known as Israel. 
This is why um, they are known as the children of Israel. Who is Prophet Ya'qub? Ya'qub ibn Ishaq ibn Ibrahim. Ya'qub, the son of Ishaq, the son of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ya'qub, the father of who? The father of Yusuf alayhi salam. This prophet was known as Israel. And all of the children of Israel are descendants from him. They are the Banu Israel, the children of Israel. So now that you've known who Israel is, what does Israel mean? Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu mentioned that the term Israel means it is consists of two parts. Isra and Il. Isra, he said, means Abd. It means servant. Servant of. Il means Allah. So Israel, Abdullah or servant of Allah Almighty. So it is as if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, Ya Bani Israel, O the children of the servant of Allah. It's a high praise that they have been called the children of Israel. The children of Yaqub alayhi salam. Now what's being said to them? And also most of the prophets will be from that descendants, right? So Musa was born Israel, Isa was born Israel, Yahya was, well, Isa, how is Isa born Israel when he doesn't have a father? That's, that's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I just said, Prophet Isa is considered from the prophets of Banu Israel. Yet, for you to be among a people, you must have their lineage. And we know Isa does not have a lineage because he didn't have a father. That's because his mother, Maryam, was from Banu Israel and he is counted as the, he is the son of his mother, so he is counted from Banu Israel uh, because of this. And there is a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the son of the, uh, the, the you, you, you are also, uh, you're also connected by your mother. So because his mother is Banu Israel, he is considered a prophet of Israel. Anyway, Yahya and Zakaria and Maryam and Harun and Musa and many of the prophets, Dawood and Sulaiman, they were all Banu Israel. So, Allah is saying here, O oh, the children of Israel, mention and make mention of and remember the blessings and the favors that I have bestowed upon you. And fulfill your promise to me, I will fulfill my promise to you. And fear none but me. So, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is addressing the Banu Israel. And Allah is telling them, Remember my favors upon you. What, was this, what, what, what is this favor? What is the ni'mah that is being referenced here? The scholars, they say there were ten. Ten main blessings they, they, that the Banu Israel were given. And this surah will mention them. And among the main ones that, that, that is mentioned is, first and foremost, that they were sent prophets. That they were saved from Fir'aun. That the ocean or the sea was split for them. That they committed shirk but then were forgiven. Right? And many, many of them, that the fact that Allah forgave them so many times, that they were brought back to life and forgiven by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That they were given al-man uh, was-salwa. The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, while they were going through the teeth and they were wandering, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would give them clouds to shade them from the sun. So many blessing after blessings that were, they were given. The fact that Allah made them kings. The fact that Allah gave them so many prophets. So all of these are the blessings that they were given. 
Remember the favors that I have bestowed upon you and fulfill my promise to your promise to me. What is this ahd? Fulfill the promise. What is this promise? The scholars they mentioned a few. One of them they say is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told them, So grab hold to that which we have given you with strength and, and passion and zeal, meaning follow the Torah. So the promise was that they would follow the Torah and the teachings in it. And they didn't do that, so they broke the promise. But when Allah is saying, keep your promise, follow the Torah. Because in their case, the Yahud of old, not the Yahud the Prophet is addressing, the Yahud of old, remember the first ayah we took today, verse 38, Allah says, there will be guidance from me, follow that guidance. For them, the guidance was the Torah. And they didn't follow it. But if they were to follow it, this would mean they are fulfilling the promise. Other scholars have said it is referring to the promise that when that in aqamtum salata wa atitum zakata, so for, that you would establish the prayer and give zakat, wa amantum bi rusuli, and you believe in my prophet, wa azartumuhum, and that you honor them. This is the mithaq, the fact that they are told we will send messengers, believe in them, establish the prayer, and all of these commandments. Al muhim. They were told to fulfill a promise. That promise was, in general, to follow the guidance. And if they do, Allah said that He will fulfill His promise, which was, was to save them, to give them mercy, to take them to Jannah. This is the promise of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah says, Fear none but me. Only fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Rahaba is a form of khawf. So, You've learned in this verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling the children of Israel, Banu Israel, and this is referring to the Yehud, of course. Allah is telling them, remember my favors upon you, the ni'mah that I have given you, and you mentioned what those ni'ams were. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells them, make sure you fulfill the promise, and then Allah says, and then I will fulfill my promise if you do so. And then Allah reminds them, وَإِيَّا فَرْحَبُونَ And fear only Allah. Put yourself in the shoes of an Israel. Remember the favors that Allah has given you. Remember the promise he made to Allah to worship him alone and to follow Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And if you do so, Allah will fulfill his promise to you, which is that whoever worships Allah alone and follows the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam will go to Jannah. And if you want the evidence for this, we just took it in the first ayah where Allah says, فَمَنْ تَبِعَهُ Whoever follows my guidance, فَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ There will be no fear on them, وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ And they will not grieve. That is the promise. And Allah will fulfill His promise if we keep it on our end. And Allah is reminding the Yehud as well. طَيْب وَآمِنُوا بِمَا أَنْزَلْتُ مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ وَلَا تَكُونُوا أَوَّلَ كَافِرٍ بِهِ وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا بِآيَاتِ ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا وَإِيَّايَ فَاتَّقُونَ Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says وَآمِنُوا بِمَا أَنزَلْتُ And believe in that which I have revealed Believe in that which I have sent down So who is being told to believe here? It is the Yahud that lived in Medina with the Prophet They are being talked to right now Allah is telling them Believe in what we have sent down آمِنُوا بِمَا أَنزَلْتُ مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ Confirming that which is with you. So, Allah is saying to the Yahud, believe in the Qur'an that is confirming that which is with you, which is the Torah. Because the Qur'an doesn't deny the Torah. The Qur'an doesn't deny the Injil. 
the Quran confirms them and affirms them. Yes, they have been corrupted. Yes, they have been changed. But as books, we as Muslims cannot be Muslims if we don't believe in the Torah of Musa and the Injil of Kisa salam. So Allah is saying, believe in the Quran that I have revealed and sent down, which is what? مُصَدِّقًا لِمَا مَعَكُمْ Confirming that which with you, which is the Torah and the Injil. وَلَا تَكُونُوا أَوَّلَ كَافِرٍ بِهِ And do not be the first to deny it. Believe in the Quran that is confirming what is with you and do not be the first to deny it. And even worse, وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا بِآيَاتِي ثَمَنًا قَلِيلًا And do not buy my verses with a small price. Don't buy my verses with a small price. And we'll explain what that means in a second. And fear me alone or have taqwa of, or be cautious of me alone. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala here is mentioning that they should have taqwa. Now, taqwa a lot of time is um, translated as fear, but that is um, somewhat lacking because means to be conscious of Allah Almighty, that Allah is watching you to protect yourself from Allah's wrath. To follow the guidance given to you, it has a lot more meaning than khawf or rahba. Al-Muhim, what is this ayah talking about? Ikhwani wa akhwati fillah. Earlier when we were talking about the Allah telling the Yahud they should keep their promise to Allah and Allah will keep their promise to them. Among the, some of the scholars said this is referring to their promise to believe in Prophet Muhammad specifically. Their promise that to believe in Prophet Muhammad specifically. And what's interesting is. Why do you think there were Jewish tribes living in Medina um, during that time? They migrated there many years before and settled down there uh, uh, waiting for a messenger. And they were waiting for this messenger and they believed that that messenger would be from them. And when finally Prophet Muhammad was sent, this came to them as a shock. And they couldn't handle it out of envy and jealousy. They hoped that the last and final messenger would be sent from them. And when they realized he is not, he's not even a, a Banu Israel, right? He's an Arab. This bothered them so much to the point where they couldn't. Well, some of them accepted Islam, but many of them couldn't and didn't. On top of that, the descriptions of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And references to Prophet Muhammad was present in their books. Was present in their books. So, they were told to believe in the final prophet. When the final prophet came to them, and they had his descriptions in their books, and they realized it was him, they disregarded it. So they didn't fulfill their promise in believing in the messengers. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking to them. O Banu Israel, Allah is speaking to them. Believe in the Quran that has been revealed to Prophet Muhammad. Believe in that which I have revealed, which I have sent down. Which is confirming that which is with you, which is the Torah. And do not be the first to deny and disbelieve in the Quran and in Prophet Muhammad. One might wonder the Prophet was for a period of 12 years calling to Islam in Mecca and there were many that disbelieved in him then he comes to Medina and he uh, speaks to the Yahud and calls them to Islam and Allah says to the Yahud don't be the first to deny 
But wasn't there a whole 12 years in Mecca where people were denying the Quran? The answer is yes. So why would Allah then tell them, don't be the first to deny? When there were clearly many who denied already. So what does the term, don't be the first to disbelieve in it or to deny it mean? The scholars have said that this means, don't be the first among the Ahl Kitab to deny it. Don't start this trend of you having the truth, having the Torah, and in it being, uh, telling you that you have to follow the final prophet, whose descriptions are clearly in it. Don't be the first to deny that. For if you deny that, you have disbelieved in your own book, and you have by extension disbelieved in the Quran as well. So don't be the first from the people of the book, from the learned, from those who were given revelation, unlike Quraysh, don't be the first to deny it. Some scholars have said, Don't be like the first to deny it, and Allah knows best. So, what does Allah say to them? Believe in that which I have sent down, which is confirming that which, which, with you, which is the Torah and the Injil. And do not be the first to disbelieve in it. And buy not with my ayat something which is a small gain. Small gain. Ibn Abbas mentions uh, that the Ahbar of the Yahud or the, their rabbis, if you will, and their leaders, they had some form of a status between their people. They, their scholars, if you will, those who read the Torah and who had the knowledge, they would be people of prestige in their community. And they were worried and they would be given a lot of gifts. Hadaya, gifts. And it wasn't even that they were given a lot, but people used to give them gifts and they had something that they enjoyed. Now, when Rasulullah came, if they were to accept the Prophet as a messenger, if they were to believe in the Prophet and accept Islam, that would mean that they don't have that status anymore. For now, a Prophet is in town. And everyone that was showering them with gifts and looking at them in awe is now going to be doing that for the Prophet So they are worried for their small dunya, for these little gifts, for whatever they call honor, for their status, and they rather have that small gain and then get rid of the clear signs. And Allah is telling them, لا تشتروا بآياتي Do not sell my ayat. And in exchange of ثمنا قليلا A small gain. Small bit of dunya. Does that mean if it was a lot of dunya it would be fine? No. But this is also تحقير. That which they were gaining was something small to begin with. So, لا تشتروا بآياتي ثمنا قليلا Then Allah reminds them, وَإِيَّايَ فَاتَّقُونَ And only for me have taqwa. What I want you to remember is that they are told to have taqwa of Allah alone. They are told to fear Allah alone. For the believer, you should fear Allah Almighty. You should also love Allah Almighty. And you should have taqwa of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And want to protect yourself from the wrath of Allah Almighty. And that is the best connection one can have with Allah. One of love, fear and hope. For some people though, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks to them in terms that they understand. We mentioned in earlier verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, um, Have taqwa of the nar. 
be wary and afraid and conscious of the hellfire. Some people need to be reminded of the punishment for them to stand upright and follow the truth. Others, Allah being reminded is enough. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses both means. Sometimes Allah will tell us to fear Him. Ittaqu rabbakum. And sometimes Allah will tell us, Ittaqu nar. Fear the hellfire itself. If you're not going to fear Allah Almighty, fear the hellfire. And what's interesting is, a similar thing, and some of the scholars of Tafsir mentioned this. Remember earlier when we said Allah says to Bani Israel, Remember and make mention of my favors upon you. So they're being told, Look at all the great things Allah has given you. And through that, recognize the one who gave it to you, which is Allah. But when Allah was speaking to the Ummah of Muhammad, Allah said, Make mention of me. Remember me. Not necessarily the blessings, but remember Allah Almighty. Washkuruni. Then thank Allah for the blessings. So some of the Mufassirun they say when Allah was speaking to the Ummah of Muhammad, the focus was on remember the Mun'im, remember Allah, and remember Allah's blessings upon you. And when Allah was talking to the Yahud or the Banu Allah says, remember the blessings, and then the one who gave you, which is Allah Almighty. And that shows you the person's. Both is fine, but uh, one is of course better than one who remembers Allah. And then thanks him for the blessings. And the one who looks at the blessings and has to be reminded because of these blessings about Allah Almighty. Al-Muhim. This is a latifah that the scholars of the sea mentioned. So, going back to verse 41. Believe in that which I have sent down. Though, and, which is confirming that which is with you. Which is the Torah and the Injil. وَلَا تَكُونَ وَلَا كَافِرٍ بِهِ And do not be the first to deny it. وَلَا تَشْتَرُوا بِآيَاتِ ثَمَنًا قَلِلٍ And do not buy my uh, Do not give my ayat in exchange for a small gain. And only have taqwa of me. These are now commandments that are being given to the Yahud that lived in Medina with the Prophet. ﷺ. Believe, don't deny. This Quran is, is, is affirming the Torah and the Injil. Don't disbelieve due to the small gain that you are getting. And only have taqwa of Allah Almighty. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in verse 42. Gives them another uh, uh, commandment or a prohibition. And do not disguise the truth and falsehood. And do not hide the truth. While you know the truth. So, here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Yahud, stop mixing truth with falsehood. Stop mixing Truth or falsehood? Uh, some of the servants said this means بالإسلام, Do not mix your religion which has been corrupted and changed with the truth of Islam. And do not hide the truth. While you know it is in fact the truth from Allah Almighty. The scholars they say what the Yahud did was twofold. And they had two strategies to ensure people don't follow the Prophet Sallallahu And we're talking about their people. So their first strategy was So this is to do talbis. To mix the truth with falsehood. To confuse the people. To tell some haq and then some lies. Right? To say, yes, there's a final Prophet, but there was not going to be an Arab. Yes, there's going to be a final Prophet, it's not him. So mention some truth and falsehood to ensure no one follows the Prophet Sallallahu that was one of their strategies. So Allah is talking about that. Do not mix truth with falsehood. 
Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam is the final messenger. He is the truth. Uh, he he is a messenger and a prophet, and that truth is mentioned in your books. ولا تكتم الحق and do not hide the truth. Do not hide the truth. That was the second strategy. They would hide it from the common people, and that was one of the ways they would fool the people. They would say, no, no, no. There is no mention of Muhammad in the Torah, and there clearly was. Uh, like mentioned in the Quran and the Sunnah, there was clear descriptions of the Prophet ﷺ uh, in the Torah. So, وَلَا تَلْبِسُوا الْحَقَّ بِالْبَاطِلِ So, what, Allah says, telling them, do not make truth with falsehood. وَتَكْتُمُ الْحَقَّ And do not hide the truth. وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ While you know. So, now they have been told not to do this. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَأَقِيمُوا الصَّلَاةِ Establish the prayer. وَآتُ الزَّكَاةِ And give charity. وَرَكَعُوا مَعَ الرَّاكِعِينَ And make ruku' with those who make ruku' meaning pray with those who pray. Before I go to verse 43, where Allah talks about establishing the prayer and giving zakat, um, the concept of people hiding the truth or concealing it is something that Allah mentions a lot in the Quran. And this is something that is not allowed. If you know the haqq, you can't hide it. You should speak loudly with the truth, with confidence. Never be those who either mix the truth with falsehood or hide the truth. Because that is a, among the ways one can be misguided. And that was what happened to the Yehud and the Nasara. And this is why, and again we keep on referencing this, the fact that these ayat are referring to the mention of Prophet Muhammad in the previous scriptures. These ayats where they are told, believe in the Qur'an, which is confirming that which you have, the Torah and the Injil. In the Torah and in the Injil, the Torah and the Gospel, there are or were references, clear references to our Messenger Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And that references, they were present and they could have easily been read and understood. Which is why you had companions like Abdullah ibn Salam, who was among the learned Yahud from Medina, who once he saw the Prophet, put two and two together and believed in him. And there were others as well, who they couldn't deny the fact that Muhammad was the one mentioned in these scriptures, and then they followed him. And there are many examples of that throughout history, not just in the time of the Prophet One very interesting example is a, a, a man who lived uh, about 500 years ago, and who was, as a young man, his name eludes me now, subhanAllah. Uh, he, in the end, he would change his name to Abdullah Trujaman, or Abdullah the translator. Abdullah the translator. And his name was... His name was... Um, yes, Anselm Tormida. Anselm Tormida. You can find him. If you look up his story, it's amazing. He has a book called Tuhfatul Arib Fi... Tuhfatul Arib Fi Raddi Ahli Salib. Which is basically a book that speaks about the problems and the, and the, and the errors and the mistakes within the uh, Christian tradition or Christianity. So he was a Christian himself. Um, he will later on adopt the name Abdullah and he will known mainly as Abdullah Trujaman, Abdullah the translator, because he became a translator to one of the, the kings, I believe. Al-Muhim, what happened to him was as a young boy, he is taken, uh, again, a young Christian boy, he is taken to join a, a school, and the school was run by priests. 
and these priests said that then he grows up learning about learning the studying the Bible and studying uh, Christianity uh, to a high degree and then he joins uh, he starts getting tutelage under a certain priest or a bishop and this and he started learning and spending all of his time uh, in in the church and he mentions if you read the the opening chapter of his book he speaks about this, right? He speaks about this. I'm not sure if that book has been translated, by the way, but I'm sure it had Allah knows best. Al Muhim, he says, So I grew up learning the Bible and becoming a devout Christian, right? Not just a devout Christian, a learned Christian. And then he says that his, the, the person who he was, under, he was under, learning under, he grew quite old. And he said, He trusted me a lot, and I would then hold all the keys to the chambers of the church except for one. Which I believe he used to rest in And he said every now and then other priests would come And they would discuss and debate over certain concepts in the Bible Now again, this happened about the year uh, 1335 Or maybe that was the year he was born So around that time, 1335 um, This is when he was either born or when the story is happening This is a good uh, 500 years ago So he says that um, he held the keys and then he became very sick, so he said, I started attending these discussions. And one of these discussions was about a term that is in the Bible. And that term is the paraclete. It, it's, it's pronounced in different ways. And this is about, it comes into the Bible about five times, I believe. So this term, from its original Aramaic, it means, it's commonly translated as the comforter or the helper. And many of the Christians say this is referring to uh, uh, Gabriel or is referring to this prophet or that prophet, Al-Muhim. He said that a discussion took place and some said it's referring to John the Baptist or it's referring to Zachariah, it's referring to this. So he's in the, Where is his, his teacher? He is too ill to, and too old to attend that discussion. So he says, when we were done, I go back to him in his chamber and he says, what were you discussing? And I said to him, we were discussing that the, who is this word, the paraclete, this word, who is it referring to? And he said, I have an opinion that is very controversial on this. And he said, but I can't tell you. And this young man, Abdullah Trujaman, or Tormida, he insists that he tells him. And he asks and asks, and then he says, I will tell you, but on one condition. This will never leave this room. And he said, I fear if I tell you this, that this might result in you or me being killed. And he said, no doubt that this term, this comforter, if you will, which when you go back into the original meaning, actually it translates to the praised one, which in Arabic would mean Ahmed, which is exactly what Prophet Isa said, مُبَشِّرًا بِرَسُولٍ يَأْتِي مِنْ بَعْدِ اسْمُهُ أَحْمَدِ Right? مِنْ بَعْدِ اسْمُهُ أَحْمَدِ so he said it is referring to Muhammad It is referring to Muhammad And he is the final messenger And this young man is shocked at this time Because he's still a Christian right? And he says if that's the case Then why don't you believe And then he mentions And the reason I brought this story was He mentions his high status He mentions the uh, pleasures that he enjoys As being this uh, high ranking uh, priest He said all of this will go away And me as an old man Who will accept me And if I try to go to Tunisia and join the Muslims, I will be just another Muslim. It's not like I'm going to enjoy this type of leisure. And so he said, I can't do it. But I advise you, leave this place. Go to the Muslim lands. Accept Islam. For I have no doubt it is the true religion. 
So he does exactly that. And then he becomes Abdullah and he writes this book, Tu'fat Arib, Fi Raddi Ala Ahli Salib. And uh, again, it is, uh, he ends up becoming a Muslim. So, what are the parallels between the story I just told you and what Allah is talking about here when He's saying to them, don't mix truth with falsehood. So, when they deny the references that are in the Torah and the Injil regarding the Prophet, they are either mixing truth with falsehood or they are hiding the truth. Imam Razi mentions many different areas in, in, in the Bible, if you will, whereby there are references to Prophet Muhammad and Allah knows best. Now, it does seem that the uh, ones that were, the, the Torah that was present during the time of the Prophet was even more explicit than the, the, the references or the mentions you will find in the Bible, the Old Testament, or even the New Testament today. Al-Muhim, Allah is telling them, لا تلبسوا الحق بالباطل Do not mix truth with falsehood. And do not hide the truth while you know. And this is one of the reasons why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's anger was upon the Yahud because they knew the truth but they denied it. Except for a few. And what's interesting is only a few of the Yahud really accepted Islam. If you read the seerah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I'm going to conclude my lesson here inshallah ta'ala. We didn't do a lot but um, sometimes we need to give a lot more context to these ayats. We will carry on uh, next week with verse 43. This is the last verse of the Quran.